I want to start talking today about how that faith is a rest. This is a, a foundational piece of faith. It's so important. You know, you could know how to be a doer of the word week one, right? You, you could know how to continue in the word, which really that overlaps. We've got to keep our eyes on the word. You have to know how to take the word of God and grow your faith until you're fully persuaded. You know, I think that was week three and then week four, how to receive. But here's the thing. In, in week three, we talked about being fully persuaded. When you get fully persuaded, that is the highest level and form of faith that you'll ever walk in. And it's there that you're at rest. Faith is never a rush. It never's a rush. Time will always test faith. Faith is a rest. And, and what I mean by rest is where you cease from trying to figure it out. You have now become fully persuaded that what God's word says is true. Not what you're seeing, not what you're feeling. And in this place of rest, there's only one thing to do. And that's the other highest form that you can do as a believer, and that's worship. So God wants you to live your whole life at rest, worshiping him, thanking him for all that he's done for you. Because it's not that he's an egomaniac, he, that he doesn't do anything for him. He knows as you open your heart to him, he's able to minister and, and impart things in your life. Faith is a rest. So turn in your Bibles to James chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 14. James chapter 4 and verse 14. Hallelujah. Now I want you to just, we're going to kind of build a case because here's the road to rest. You have to get to the place where you completely and fully depend on God and no one else. That, that's the place of rest. It's, it's complete dependence upon God. He loves it when we depend on him. James chapter 4 and verse 14. It says this, Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? Now this is James, pastor of the church in Jerusalem. I love the way he talks and, and, and God uses his personality as a pastor to communicate these truths that are inspired and God-breathed. For what is your life? That's a great question. You have to get this question right to be able to really understand how to be dependent upon God. What is your life? Your life, it is even a vapor. That means your life is a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Your life on this earth, put it in proper perspective, this is your life. From the time you were born until the time you go home to be with the Lord. That's it. This is your life. I was born, and then it's over. I'm with the Lord. Now, for those of you who are younger, you'd go, well, no, it seems longer. 
wait till you hit 25. Talk to some of the 25-year-olds in our church. Because when I hit 25, I blinked, and then I ended up being 56. <laughs> I'm going to blink again. I'll be 80. You know, I mean, if the Lord tarries, that, that'll be a miracle with what's going on in the world today, But if, if he does. But this is your life, literally. Look at that vapor. And then it's there and gone. It's so fast. And this is what the enemy will constantly try to do. He'll try to get you looking at how important your life is. And my life is so important. And, and what he wants you to do is he wants you to start looking at yourself. Because you're not made to look at yourself. So if you look at yourself, you'll never be able to experience true life. But when you realize this is it, this, it's a vapor. It's just, it's here and then it vanishes away so fast. You'll always be tempted. Well, you know, I'm going to start serving God tomorrow. There's people, there's many, many people in hell today that were like, no, I don't want to give my heart to Jesus today. I do believe he's God, but I just want to live my own life. And then they, they don't make it. Right? There's many Christians that that they don't deal with weaknesses that they have in their life, and they always say, well, I'll deal with it later, and then all of a sudden, their mist is over, and they miss the plan of God for their life. God does not want that for you. So we get it in proper perspective. It's a mist, it's a vapor that appears for a little while, then it vanishes away. Here's the cool thing. God, you add God into that mist, and in this very short period of time, you can leave an eternal imprint in the earth and in eternity, because you'll yield all of your fruit in your season. And I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing. It says this, verse 15, for that you ought to say, or because of because your life is a vapor, this is what you ought to say. If the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. Now the sin-conscious mind will not study this verse and will say, well, see, I live my whole life if the Lord will. God, if you want me healed, you'll heal me. Well, no, that violates hundreds of scriptures. He wants you healed. But if you look at what it's really saying in the Greek language and context, it says this, Lord, since my life is a vapor, I should say, what is your will for me today? Or because I know that my life is a vapor, I should always be going, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do today? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to say? Because I have such a short period of time on this earth, so I need to live this vapor utterly dependent upon you. Not myself, because I'll waste my life. I'll be fearful and I'll never step into things that I'm supposed to step into. Some, some listening online, some even sitting here, there's a business for you to start, but fear might be keeping you, or a poor self-image, or whatever. Or there's, there's finances, there's prosperity, there's things that God wants you to do in the earth that maybe money's stopping you, but it gets right back to 3 John 2. Beloved, I pray that you'd be, in, be prosper and be in health 
even as your soul prospers. God will always, when you walk with him and you're dependent on him, he will expand your boundaries. And he exp- he's able to expand your boundaries in the place of rest. In the place of rest. Letting God know you need him lets you know you need him. I walk around all day, Father, I need you. Without you, I'm nothing. I can do nothing and I have nothing, but oh, I need you. To do what's in my heart to do, I can't do it in my own strength or in my own ability. I need you. And as I say those words, I realize that I need him. Do you get that? We need God the God of heaven to guide us through life. So turn to Jeremiah chapter 10. Jeremiah chapter 10 in verse 23. You need God. The temptation is going to be for you to live your own life, to try to figure it out, to try to just, I need enough education and I need this and that. I just want to do it myself. And, and all that is is your flesh. Your spirit just wants to anchor into him. But your flesh wants to do it his way or her way. In Jeremiah 10.23, it says this. This is a big truth. It says, Oh Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. Jeremiah the prophet reveals a big truth that the way of man is not in himself. Interesting. It is not in man that walks to direct his steps. You have not been created to direct your own steps. Well, I think I'll do this, and and then then we get in the feeling realm. Well, how do I feel about that? You better be careful, because if you're not renewing your mind... Those feelings which are given to you and your emotions which are given to you to motivate you to walk out the path, it's not, they're not given to you to know the path or find the path. The Holy Spirit is given to you for that reason. Because you're not, you're not created to direct your own paths. We have been given the honor as a child of God to be able to be created one with him so that now the all-knowing, all-powerful, all-things-are-possible God will direct your paths. Isn't that awesome? Does Does it minimize your life? Oh my gosh, no. See, people that are living for themselves, they think, well, I don't want God. I want to live for myself. Well, guess what? There's not one person, there's not one human being that has ever lived since Adam and Eve and who will ever live that lives for themselves. If you're not living with God directing your paths, Romans tells us that Satan is directing your paths. That you are locked in, you have no control. Isn't that interesting? We're not made to direct our own paths. So stop the guessing game. The God of heaven will direct you. Look at what it says in Psalm 37, 23. 
Now, what are we talking about? We're talking about faith is a rest. Psalm 37, 23. Here we go. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. This word ordered is a Hebrew verb. It literally means to set up. The steps of a good man are set up. It means to prepare. It means that the steps of a good man are prepared by the Lord. It literally means to make firm or to establish. So a good man's steps are established by God. They're prepared by God. Does that make sense? All these things, they're set up. The God of heaven has set you up to succeed. What is the definition of success in life? Did you do what God's called you to do? If you didn't, you lived a frustrating life. Because what God's called you to do will connect with every desire of your heart. It's li literally living a life of your dreams. This is a huge thing. Our steps are ordered. Our steps are established. They're prepared. They're set up by God. Now turn over to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. We're going to look at verse 5. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 5 and we're going to read into verse 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Right? It goes on. Lean not or don't rely on your own understanding. Then it says, in all of your ways, acknowledge him or consider him. In all of your ways, consider him. And now then, he'll direct your paths. Does he have a checklist in heaven? Okay, they, okay, Tony, he's, you know, right now he's, tr okay, he's trusting 80%, 90%. Okay, boom. Trust. He's trusting in the Lord with all of his heart. I'm still not showing him anything yet. Right? Uh, oh, look at, no, he's starting, he's starting to not lean on his own understanding. Oh, okay, okay, he's, he's all the way there. He jumped through that hurdle. Now, okay, he's doing both. That's good. That's really good. I'm still not showing him anything. Right? Okay, he's starting to consider me in some of his ways. Oh, okay, boom, he got it. Okay, now I'll direct his paths. That's not the way it works. You have to trust in the Lord with all your heart. You have to not rely on your own understanding and consider him in all your ways. And now you have just positioned yourself where the God of heaven, you've just invited him in to direct your paths. That's how it works. So if you're not considering him in all your ways, there's no reason to go ask him what you're to do with your life. Because he can't. He would have to force himself into your life and force his will onto you. Because if you're not willing to consider him and put him first, you're never going to be able to walk out his path. You won't have the courage, right? You, you, won't, you won't have ears to hear, so you'll never be able to be in faith. See, the God of heaven, he, all he's always trying to do is position you for increase. So now go over to Romans chapter 8. Let's look at a New Testament verse about being led by the Spirit of God. Romans chapter 8, verse 14. 
So, so far we've learned that we're not made to order our own steps. And our life is a vapor, so we should be always trusting in the Lord, not relying on our own understanding and in all our ways acknowledging Him so He can direct our paths. So now this brings it into the New Testament because we're New Testament believers. I'm not just a servant of God like Old Testament uh, children of Israel were. Now I'm a child of God. I'm his offspring. He has, his spirit dwells within me and his spirit is within me. He is my guide, right? So now it says in Romans chapter 8, verse 14, for as many as are led... By the Spirit of God, and this word led, it's that Greek word ago. It, it was a farming term where a farmer would tie a rope around his animal and lead him. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And this word sons literally means a mature coming of age son of God. So the mature sons of God, they're led by the Spirit of God. If you jump down to verse 16, it tells, it gives us a picture how the Holy Spirit leads a believer. It says the Spirit, and in the King James it says itself. It's the Greek word autos. It, he's not an it. He's a divine person. So it should be translated the Spirit himself, right? The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirits that we're children of God. He'll bear witness with my spirit that healing belongs to me because I'm a child of God. He'll bear witness with my spirit that peace and joy and deliverance and, and no fear is my heritage because I'm a believer. He'll bear witness that no weapon that's formed against me will prosper. So what it looks like right now, it's not going to prosper. I already have the victory. Because he'll bear witness with my spirit that my father always causes me to triumph in Christ. See, he's always bearing witness that I'm a child of God. What is he? Tony, you are the healed. Tony, you are prosperous. Tony, you are a world overcomer. You are strong in me. He's constantly bearing witness that I'm a child of God. That's what it means. So when I feel discouraged, that's not me. No, the Holy Spirit will bring up scriptures. Tony, taste and see that the Lord is good. You are a whoever's born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory, even their faith, simply believing in him. See, he constantly wants to bear witness with us. This is huge. This is how the Holy Spirit leads us. The Holy Spirit gives you assurance all the time that you're his you see that see when you when you have been diagnosed with something that there's no cure for when when you get yourself into a position where there is no natural help for you in the natural realm god by his spirit will give you assurance tony you're my child you, you're, you're not going under here Trust me. Trust, trust in me. Don't go by that MRI. Don't go by that circumstance. Don't go by the money in your checkbook. Trust in me with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. Don't get the calculator out and try to figure out how it's going to work. Don't try to figure out what you can do to live. Just don't, don't you just rely on me. 
right? And then what I want you to do, then the Holy Spirit will start leading me with his word. He'll want me to consider him. Consider Jesus. Don't consider the pain in your body. Consider the fact that Jesus bore that pain away. Don't consider the sickness in your body. Consider the fact that by the stripes of Jesus, you were healed. Does that make sense? Don't consider the lack in your life that you can see. Praise God if you can see it. It means it's subject to change. But the word of God is not subject to change. And he said, but my God. See, Paul knew he's not just God. It's not God will meet all my needs. No, my God. The assurance that I'm his. My God will meet all of my need according to his riches and glory. And it all comes to me by Christ Jesus. Does, does that make sense? This is what we're talking about. Hearing from God, being led by the Holy Spirit, it's not a skill that you learn. It's a sensitivity that you maintain. And this is why you maintain this sensitivity when you are at rest. Not when, you got, when you're giving in and your eyes are going all over the place looking at your situation. Constantly talking to yourself about how you're not enough. God is more than enough. And you're a world overcomer. And if you'll get out of your flesh and get in the Spirit of God, if you just mind the things of the Spirit by meditating in the Word, getting the Word in your mouth and coming out of your mouth, I'm telling you, all of a sudden, things will change for you. Things will change. If you are occupied with your plans, it will dull you spiritually. People are up to here with their plans. God is saying, you, I want you to live in a place of rest where now you're completely dependent upon me. And in this place, now you're sensitive, you're at rest. And you'll hear that still small voice of my spirit. And you'll feel that tug on the inside. And oh, I'll take you places you never dreamed you would go. That's God. Amen. That's God. That's what we're talking about. The Holy Spirit enlightens your spirit. What do I mean by that? He, there's an impression in your spirit. He impresses upon your spirit. And then your spirit translates that impression into a thought, right? God doesn't talk to your mind. He talks to your spirit. Satan can't talk to your spirit. He only talks to your mind, okay? But what happens is the Holy Spirit, he impresses your spirit, and your spirit will turn that into a thought. Now, that thought will sound like you. So sometimes you'll sit there and go, okay, is this really God or is this me? Have you ever asked that question? Well, he turned, your spirit turned that thought, turned that impression into a thought, so it sounds like you, right? It's like I remember when I first received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it ate my lunch for a while because I'm like, oh, I think this, I'm just mumbling. That It's just me. The enemy would sit on my shoulder going, that's just you. Well, he always tells half-truths because of course it was me because the Holy Spirit doesn't speak in tongues. He doesn't need to. He knows everything. So he gives my spirit the utterance, and then my spirit gives me the utterance. But it sounds like me, because it is me, right? 
So that's exactly what happens here. This thought sounds like you. We call this the inward witness. And all it is, is as we meditate in the word, because the Holy Spirit always leads us and always guides us with the word, the reason why is because the word is a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. It's the only thing that can show you your path. Does that make sense? So now he just impresses, he brings revelation of the word of God to your spirit. So this is why when you're, when you're speaking the word, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You keep meditating in that and all of a sudden you'll know what to do. You'll be like, oh, I'm supposed to do this. All of a sudden this desire to go talk to this person or go do this will come up. And when you walk by faith and when you're at rest, you're not dependent upon any other person right? You're not sitting next to somebody that looks like they have money, and then you're just in worship, oh, Father, I thank you for that $300 I'm believing you for. I, I thank you for that, that $300. And I, and I thank you, you're the God of more than enough, cause so, so $400 could come in, right? No, it's not like that anymore, because you're considering him in all of your ways. You won't look to anybody else to help you, because he's your help. And then all of a sudden, you'll have all these people that want to help you, which is really cool, right? So that's how it works. You must learn to hear the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit that's on the inside of you in spite of all the noise that's going on on the outside. It's not a skill. It's a sensitivity. In order to walk in this, it's going to take diligence and commitment to put God's word first in your life. That all roads lead to that, guys. You want to walk in rest? This has to be first. You want to walk by faith? It has to be first. Do you want to fulfill the plan of God? Do you want to walk in victory? This has to be first. Because otherwise, you're just walking yourself. If you choose to be ruled by natural reasonings or by your human intellect... The Holy Spirit, he's not going to be able to get much over to you. Does that make sense? But to be spiritually strong, you have to, be, you have to stop being concerned about your image. You have to take all this, what I want people to think of me, and put it on the shelf. And you just got to, because it'll mess you up. You got to forget about your image. Trust me, listen, here's the way it is. You serve God, there will be people that probably hate you. That's okay. They hated Jesus, that's okay. We just love them. But there will be so many more people that love you, that you'll be able to help, that just your life will help them. And that will turn you on more than anything. Most believers are not troubled because they don't know what to do. They're troubled because they aren't doing what they know they're supposed to do. When I'm teaching the word here in church, it is, it is the most effective thing that I can do as a pastor. Do you know what the least effective thing that I've done in the last 12 years as a pastor? The least effective. By, I mean, by far the least effective. Counseling people. But, but why does the one-on-one -on -one stuff usually not work? Usually you walk away and you feel like you've been pulling a wagon up a mud hill with no wheels. Now, I'm not saying always. Sometimes, sometimes it really helps. 
But even then, when it helps a person, they have to choose to put the word first. They have to choose to step out and do something when their feelings are just telling them, I just want to feel sorry for myself. And that's, you know, have you ever felt like that? I mean, people get in tough situations. But, but see, it, it, it won't help them. It won't help them to tell you all about it. It's like throwing gasoline on it, right? Or if, you're, if you don't get over your own image as a minister, then you'll talk to people and you'll want them to become dependent upon you. But oh my gosh, don't be dependent upon me. You've got to be dependent upon him because I could let you down. But he never can and never will, right? You have to put your flesh down in order to stir your faith up. You have to spend time with God, one-on-one study time and prayer time, one-on-one, where you're sitting there with your Bible, you're praying, you're reading, you're studying. There's nothing that, there's nothing that could take the place of that. There are people that go down to Rhema Bible Training College and dry up spiritually and miss the plan of God for their life because they think that three hours that they're sitting under this anointing teaching that sometimes is so glorious you don't even know what to do. But you, you get in that and you sit in that and you forget your personal walk, your personal study time with God, your one-on-one time, you'll dry up spiritually. Right? Because you'll forget It's like the doer. You're you're taking your eyes off the word and you're forgetting what manner of man you are. So this is huge. You spend time with your father. You spend time with God and he imparts strength to you. What you give your attention to is what's going to be on the inside. And what's on the inside of you determines the outcome of your destiny, your life, everything. So you got to get, you got to get the word, revelation knowledge. What am I saying? You have to know him on the inside. That's, that's your whole, that's your life's purpose right there, every one of us. And in that, if I choose to, I just, God, I'm going to take my eyes off all this stuff going on in my life right now, and I'm going to choose to, I just want to know you. You hide and watch the God of heaven in a very short period of time will take care of all that other stuff. And he'll add everything to your life that you need. You don't have to focus on it. We must make sure that God is directing our steps. Right? Right. This is huge. This is step number one in walking in the rest of God. So keep going. Once you realize that it is not in me to know my way, what happens? I become completely dependent upon him. So you got to get revelation knowledge that it's, see, you, we've read the scripture, but you got to get revelation on it. So you have to meditate in it. Because a lot of people will sit there and they'll go, oh yeah, yeah, it's not in me. And then they immediately take their eyes off that and they go walk their own way and direct their own paths. And then a lot of people what happens is then their life's not going very well and they'll get mad at God. Well, why are you allowing this in my life? Or, or why, why, why is this not working? And they start questioning the word, which it's impossible to be at rest 
when you question the word. Right? This is because you're now, you're now in a position where you're opposing. You're saying, God, you said this, but I just don't believe it. We have one of the biggest examples in the Bible are the Old Testament children of Israel. This example is all through the Bible. It's about how this whole generation refused to believe that they, that, that they could have what God said he had already given them. And that whole generation died in the wilderness. They never walked in any of it. And there's many Christians that are dying in the wilderness that have been given this incredible inheritance by God, but they're saying, I don't believe it. I believe God heals some and not others, that he blesses some and not others, and you just never know what God's going to do because his ways are higher than my ways, and I just don't get it. And usually these people, what happens, they get offended by the word, and they just back off. And you don't want to be one of those people. Because here's the thing, God loves you and he'll, he will he'll watch over his word to perform it. But he can't even see his word if it's not coming out of your mouth. So this is huge. God loves when you completely depend on him. God loves when you completely trust in him. Doing this, if you'll make your place of, a, of dependency on God... What it'll do is now the Holy Spirit will move you so that you're always in the right place at the right time. You've heard me say this many times, right? With the right heart doing the right thing. You'll always be there because he, he's directing your paths. Here's another big thing. When you completely depend on God, you won't marry a method. There's some people that one service will have an altar call and they'll come up and they will stand right here and have hands laid on them and God healed their back or healed them in some way, profoundly. And then now, every time they need something from God and there's an altar call, if there's somebody standing here, they're like, what, what am I going to do? I, I, you know, Because they're married to the method. Listen, we serve a God that does every method. Sometimes he spits in their eye. Sometimes he rubs, rubs mud in their eye. Sometimes he just speaks to them. Right? Sometimes he says, go and sin no more. Sometimes he doesn't even go to the person's house. He just says, hey, your daughter's, your daughter's free and whole. He, he, many, many different methods. So don't marry the method. You know what you have when you marry methods? You have religion. You have religion. And don't think we don't have it in the charismatic church. We have our own deal. Sometimes when you pray for people, you got to put your hand behind their back to hold them up long enough to pray for them because they think that falling is what, how, they, how they get something from God. But we never measure the power of God by how many people fall. We measure the power of God with what happens in their life after they get up. Right? So, so we're not, now am I saying falling's not, oh, no, no, no. I mean, you know, when, when the supernatural hits the natural, something's going to give, it's never going to be the supernatural, right? But you, you could come up here and have hands laid on you and not feel anything. I could lay hands on you and not feel anything, and you could be healed of stage four pancreatic cancer. Why? Because God's the healer, right? So here's the thing. You can completely depend on him 
Forget the how. Satan's always going to talk to you about how. I wonder why this is not happening the way it happened last time. Did you notice you prayed or you started going to that church and all hell broke loose in your life? You know, whenever all hell breaks loose in your life, if you're walking and you're meditating in the word and you got him first, you should just smile and go, oh man, I'm, I'm getting in his craw now. He's really starting to freak out because I'm starting to know who I am. So Satan, you better bring it early because I'm going to be stronger this afternoon than I am this morning, right? Why, why can I be so bold? Oh, it, see, it's not arrogance. I'm not strong in me. It's boldness. I'm strong in him. You mess with me, you got to go through him, and we all know you can't go through him. Amen. That big lump on your head. Everybody thinks it's horns. It's just a lump when you got cast out of heaven, right? I don't know why I say some of those things. That's just... <laughs> but here is the key. So here's the key to fulfilling what God has called you to do on the earth. Here's the key. Am I humble enough to submit myself to the place where I'm completely dependent upon him? Am I, am I willing to come to a place where I am no longer going to depend on me or anybody else? I'm depending on him. Building ministries, meeting budgets, all this stuff can just, just thinking about it wears you out because there's no anointing. I'm not anointed to fill chairs. I'm not anointed to meet budgets. Oh, yeah, I have, I have the ability to believe God, to meet budgets and to, to, to come and believe God for him to fill chairs and all this stuff, but it's not my job to do it. My job's real clear. I'm supposed to love you, live my life before you, and feed you the word of God. And I can't even do that in my own strength. I have to rely on him to do that. It's the same thing in your life. When I realize this, oh, my gosh, you're at rest. You don't let this junk pile up on you. You're not trying to succeed. You realize you're already successful in him. Therefore, everything has to line up and bring the outward success. It has to. Man trying to improve himself on his own merit it would be the same thing as a donkey trying to really get up early every morning at the track and do sprints to try to become a racehorse. He can do that forever, and he will never be a racehorse. Why? He's a donkey. You can try in your own merit to be the best that you could be. Man, you could just go, I'm going to become a Tony Robbins guru. Right? And go, go to his things and, and hear this guy who's super talented that knows nothing about God and who's lost as a goose. And you could be the best man you could be right up until you find out that God's called you to live his quality of life. So you got to be careful. You got to be careful what you hear and who you hear. Because with Satan, all roads lead to death. It's just death. It's so, it's so cluttered in good feelings and having fun and you think everything's cool and, and all this stuff. But remember, pretty soon, this is what happens. Now you're getting older and now you're gone. 
and you've missed it. See, God wants you to enjoy your life. Being confident in yourself will always end in failure. And yes, I use the word always. What is failure? Failure is anything else but God's results in your life. In, in, in eternity, you won't, you won't talk about anything that you did in your own strength. The first thing that's going to happen when you get to heaven is all, you'll stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, you won't be judged because, you, you know, your sin's already been paid for, but your works are going to be judged. And, and fire is going to be brought upon everything you've ever done for him. And it's all under this context, what did I call you to do? And then if you're doing what God's called you to do, what motive did you do it with? Because if you didn't do it in faith, it's going to burn up. If you did it with a wrong heart motive, it's going to burn up. So everything that's not of God in your life will be burned up when you first get there. And everything left and that remains that we will talk about in eternity is going to be what we did, what we worked out, what he was working in. And it'll be glorious. Because you want, you want Jesus to hand you this victor's crown and say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. He calls you a servant because it's what you did on the earth, not your relationship with him. He'll never call you a servant from, from that. We're called children of God. But he says, well done, and then he says, enter into your rest. You've been faithful with this, but now in my eternal kingdom, this is what you're going to be over, and this is what you're going to do. Jeremiah 17, verse 7. It says, blessed. That word blessed means empowered to prosper. Is the man that trusts in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. He is my hope. He is my joyous, confident expectation. All of my future, all of my hope is in him. It says here, this man who trusts the Lord. It says in verse 8, for he shall be as a tree planted by waters. Notice, God will plant you in a position where now you have more than enough provision, waters. If you follow God's path for your life, he will lead you to a place financially where you have multiple income streams that is not dependent upon you working and burning some of your, some of your life doing it. and Because he doesn't want you to burn any of that for nothing. Does that make sense? He, he want, this is very precious. The most precious thing you have is time. He'll compress time frames. Trusting in God. For he shall be like a tree planted by waters that spreads out her roots by the river. And shall not see when heat comes. When you trust in God, you're not even seeing outward circumstances that are coming against you. Oh, do you see them? What I mean by see is you're not moved by them and you don't focus on them. Why? Because see, you don't even... If you're planted by waters and river and you're a tree, all your substance is coming from inside now so it doesn't matter. The tree 
If you see a tree that's not planted, he's yelling over there, man, it's getting really hot. And you're like going, eh. You know, people are like, oh my gosh, the economy or this or that. And, and you're just like, so what? Why? Because I'm utterly dependent on God. And, and the God of heaven said he'd meet all my needs. So I have more than enough provision. Well, what are you talking about? You can't see it. Oh yeah, I see it. I can see it. The Holy Spirit helps me see it, right? It says here, and shall not see when heat comes, but her leaf shall be green. He always makes all things new. And shall not be careful in the year of drought. That means you will sow, you will give, you, your actions will not be dependent upon your environment. A man who trusts in the Lord. Neither shall cease from yielding fruit. Man, if the Lord tarries, I don't care how old I am, I will never stop bearing fruit on this earth. I don't care how old I am. If I have to, I, I, there, was this, there was this Christian artist, a contemporary Christian artist in the 80s, and I still remember, this was like mid-80s when I heard this, or I can't, I can't remember what year it was, but he was talking about his mom. And he said his mom was getting way up in years and she was reading the word one day and the Lord laid it on her heart. I, I think she was in her 80s, like probably upper 80s. And the Lord laid it on her heart. I have a ministry for you. I want you to go down to the, the courthouse and I want you to sit in a certain chair with your Bible right next to the divorce, divorce court. And, I, and I'll send people to minister to you. She was getting people that were going before a judge to finalize divorces, getting them saved, bringing them back together, supernatural. She never stopped yielding fruit. The Bible says if you trust in the Lord, you'll never cease from yielding fruit. See, it's kind of like this. I'm yielding fruit on the earth. I'm yielding fruit on the earth. I'm yielding fruit on the earth. And all of a sudden, oh, Jesus, hey, and you're not on the earth anymore right? That's God's plan for your life. You got to know that. Trusting God brings happiness into your life. It brings direction into your life. Trusting God will show you which way to go, what steps to take. Why? Because now you're at rest. You're completely dependent upon him. You're not being moved by the external noise. You're sensitive because you're living in that quiet place. You're not trying to figure it out. Do you know most of the noise in your life when you live out of your flesh is coming from you? I mean, sometimes I'm thoroughly convinced that Satan was like this. Man, I got to take notes. I never, Tony's doing some stupid stuff. I've never even thought of this. Because you think about yourself. But oh, when you trust in the Lord, it changes everything. Trusting God will cause you to be protected every time evil comes against you. Trusting in God will cause you to overcome and walk through times of difficulty. And you walk through them in peace. Trusting God is having complete confidence and dependence upon Him and no one else. Trusting God is always based upon knowledge. Knowledge, revelation knowledge that flows from his word. Developing trust in God, this is a big one. It brings 
His empowerment into your life. The minute you trust God, you, are, you start trusting God, you are in a position now of strength where now, Ephesians 6, I'm being continually strengthened in the Lord and in the power of His might. You become very fanatical. You look at a situation and you're like, I'm not moving. That situation is moving. I am immovable in Him. In righteousness, I am fixed and immovable. I'm far from oppression because I never fear. And I'm far from terror. It won't even come near me because I don't fear. No weapon that's formed against me will prosper. Every tongue that may rise against me in judgment, starting with my own tongue, I condemn it. I'll condemn the words. They will not produce fruit. See, nobody can hurt you. Oh, they can talk about you. So what? You condemn the words, and those words will just fall on the ground. Don't worry about, about anything. God has your back. Faith grows as you develop trust in God. My trust in God empowers me. My trust in God equips me. My trust in God brings continuous victory into my life. Why? What, what is, I just have to be willing and obedient. And I put all of my trust and dependence upon him and no one else. So many Christians are living way down here trying to figure out. They have this desire to serve God and they're running all over the place. They never stay anywhere long enough to, for God to put anything in them. And they, it's just always based on what they're doing. Forget about that. Get, start looking at him and just go, I just want to know him. Because all the ministry that you'll ever do, everything you'll ever do as a parent Everything you'll ever do as a minister, everything you'll ever do as a husband or a wife, it'll all flow out of the overflow of knowing Him. Don't, not knowing Him, doing your own thing, there's no anointing in that. But oh, when you know Him, that anointing is able to be increased in your life. Trusting God, trusting God releases the blessing of God in your life. It yields the blessing. Every time you trust God, it yields the blessing. And you must, though, here's the, here's the big thing with trust. We've said a lot of stuff about trusting God. It all starts. You have to choose it. Have you ever ministered to somebody and you're, and you're talking to them and they're a mess and it becomes very quick that you see that they are unwilling, they're unwilling to 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 change. It's like I'm hurting and you could give me every scripture in the book and I'm, I, I just, I just, I'm going to hurt. We have to learn how to operate in the love of God to where we can graciously tell that individual, listen, God loves you, I love you, but there is no help for you in this situation. If you're going to stand there and say, I just refuse to believe it, I am hurting and I feel bad and I'm just, I just, there's no help for you. So I could give you, see, I can meet with you for four hours and you'll walk away and this is what will happen. You'll feel great for four hours because the word's there and then you'll walk away and by the time that you get to your car, you're just as depressed as you were before and then the enemy goes, see, that pastor couldn't help you. God doesn't love you. 
And, and here's the problem. I just empowered it now. Instead of after five minutes looking at the individual and going, hold on a second. So you're telling me this is what the word says, but you just don't believe it because you feel this way. Yes. Okay, well, let me just pray for you. And, uh, and then you pray for them and, and, and just go, hey, you know, just know I'll be praying for you. And what I'll be praying for you is, is that you'll choose to believe God's word, but have, have a great day. Well, pastor, what do you mean? You've, you've only talked to me for five minutes. Well, there's, there's nothing to talk about. Because you're refusing. Have you ever noticed that with God? You go to God and you want to talk to him about something. When you know, you're no, you know what you're supposed to do, you just don't want to do it. Right? There's nothing to talk about. Because God, God isn't going to go, well, I want to make sure that they, that they really think that I love them. No, that's not love. That, that's, that's just, that's actually becomes manipulation. So, so this is so very important. Talking about your problems is like throwing gasoline on a fire that'll destroy your life. Talking about the answer, the fact that the God of heaven has sent Jesus and he solved every one of your problems, that's awesome. Now, am I saying, do you ever lift somebody else's burdens? Yeah, if you see somebody being crushed, you lift their burdens. But how you lift their burdens is you gotta, you got to listen down on the inside of you on what to say and what to do to help that person get in a position where they'll start believing God. Because if they don't, if they won't, there's no help. So many Christians are so beaten down and they get mad at pastors. Oh, that pastor doesn't care about anybody. He won't even meet with me. I remember one time, the pastor of a church we were discipleship pastors in, the pastor asked me uh, if I would minister to this lady after service. She wanted to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we went through all these scriptures, and I said, okay, well, so you want to receive? And she's like, yeah, absolutely. And I said, so when I lay hands on you, do you believe that you're going to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in tongues? She's like, man, I sure hope so. And I'm like, okay. And so we can't pray yet because hope will not get it done. So went through a bunch of stuff again. You ready? I sure hope so. I sure hope so. Finally, I just said, hey, listen, let's do this. Instead of praying right now, I want to give you this material, these scriptures. I want, I want you to go. I want you to read these scriptures and start just feeding on them. And then, and, and then realize if you're at home and you just want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, just do it. You, could, you don't need anybody to lay hands on you. But, but if not, you know, whenever you're ready, just come find me. We'll just do it. Real simple. She almost ran us over at church. And she's like, oh my gosh, I was just in my kitchen. And I realized he already gave it. You know, what happened? She got revelation and she just received it right there. And then she told me the story. She said, you know, Pastor, so many people have laid hands on me. And I just knew that this gift was for everybody, but it wasn't for me. See, had I just laid hands on her, she would have walked away and said, yeah, see, I got nothing. So be careful with that, right? We must choose to trust. It says in Psalm 125, verse 1, I'm going to read this to you. They that trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion which cannot 
be moved or removed, but abides forever. And that's you. That's me. Amen.